This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Tuesday, 29th of November, 2022. And uh, I suppose we're getting a little bit over this uh, situation in China. At least the markets are trying to this morning as we have a press briefing out. In China, where it seems to be the general message is one of let's make sure we're not going overboard with these COVID curbs, but it's not some profound uh, sense that there's a big opening up going on that will result in a, uh, a huge boost in activity relative to what we've seen so far. So that's the general cautious but uh, positive message. Uh, no new protests. I think there's a lot of uh, crackdowns going on or, or preventive, preventative measures to avoid protests uh, going on. And uh, yeah, sentiment picking up this morning after yesterday's downdraft. You can see on slide two a pretty, a pretty solid downdraft in the S and P 500 uh, yesterday. Uh, as uh, we did test that resistance recently, once again above 4,000, that really key area between about 40.20 and the declining 200-day moving average. Uh, anything else you want to pull out of uh, yesterday's session, Peter? As we're sort of awaiting this incoming data, feels like to me, and and, and w- what the next steps are here. Yeah, I um. I'm a little bit uh, out of inspiration. We are clearly in a in a in a range trade uh, environment here in the S and P 500. So, <laughs> and we're getting these uh, we're getting these news out uh, constantly in China from uh, around two uh, around two events. So the, the one is the COVID the strict COVID policies as you mentioned, and then also t- today lifting the market mood was sent you know all these measures that the uh, the Chinese government is doing to safeguard or backstop if you will the 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 ailing uh, real estate sector so uh, you, th- th- there's just a constant flurry and new stream and uh, yeah i wrote a little bit about it in my equity update yesterday and i think if you just zoom out um, and and look at the msi uh, china total return index in dollars versus the msi world total return in dollar terms index um you just have had a relentless underperformance from from chinese equities since the uh, peak in early 2010 um so it's been a desert walk for for twelve years, and um, with the common prosperity, probably won't change anytime soon. So um, I won't spend more time on that. But if you look at the um, the theme baskets on slide two, um, despite interest rates are stabilizing, I still have a slightly um, downward momentum feeling to it. Uh, bubble stocks were g- giving up the gains they. Um, some of the gains they had back in uh, back in last week, um, energy storage and and green transformation and renewable energy all uh, all week, which is a little bit interesting given we're going to talk about the uh, brewing energy crisis here in Europe. So you would expect that these uh, share prices and the outlook were strong because you know demand for for all types of energy sources. But that's not really what we saw yesterday. Even nuclear power theme was down two percent yesterday. Yeah, I want to actually jump straight to that since you brought it up because it's an interesting perspective we have here uh, in Europe with. And not just the weather getting a bit colder, but we have the problem the wind is suddenly not blowing. And uh, I retweeted something from Javier Blas. You were also uh, all over the story uh, over this morning uh, from the UK about this differential you see. We also see it here in Denmark where electricity prices are multiples of what they were suddenly from one day to the next because the wind stops blowing. Yeah, exactly, John. And uh, what, what uh, Javier Blas uh, basically highlighted was that during the past uh, 40 hours, the UK power, uh, wind power industry has uh, swung from producing 16 plus gigawatt to uh, less than one gigawatt. Uh, that's basically equivalent of switching off uh, 14 nuclear power power plants. And it just highlights uh, highlights the, the volatility that we can expect 
in the European uh, power market this this winter. With uh, when things like that occurs, then obviously the the uh, the only solution is to burn more gas. And uh, we have ample gas at this point in time, but obviously they come at a at a much higher price than what we're used to. We we got gas uh, currently trading around 125 uh, euros. Still no panic in the gas market at all. We got uh, this uh, February gas trading just a few euros higher. So uh, so it 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 it's still a relatively benign market in the gas space, but. Obviously, when you produce power from uh, from higher gas price than uh, than than very cheap wind power, you, there is obviously a major difference in the in the in the cost to the consumer, and it just highlights the kind of volatility that we're going to expect. So just on slide seven, just also put in the day ahead power price in Germany. It jumped fifty fifty five percent yesterday. Uh, so um, just expect uh, some some pretty wild rides in the power market this winter. And I guess the key point is that you don't have a huge baseload potential in natural gas to replace that electricity demand when the wind is not blowing compared to other energy sources. And that's why the electricity price can go crazy without the gas price necessarily doing the same thing. No, exactly. And then, yeah. And then we've got ample gas at uh, supplies at the moment. So that's why the price is not moving that much, but obviously 125 plus uh, euros is, is more than the 20 plus we paid uh, a couple of years ago. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to rewind in the slide deck a little bit because it's a story. I think it's really important as we uh, go through the next couple of weeks of incoming data and into that FOMC meeting. We also have Fed Chair Powell out speaking on Wednesday, and that is that the market has taken a really strong view on the forward curve uh, for U.S. Uh, short yields, what the Fed is uh, expected to do based on, I suppose, what the expected uh, macro view is going to be, and that is that it, this, that the Fed will succeed in bringing down inflation and will be cutting rates aggressively in 2024. And just to illustrate this, on slide three, I have this um, a series of uh, euro dollar forward uh, three month uh, interest rate contracts, and you can see how we're sort of peaking out at uh, you know mid next year. That's the the bottom one in sort of the greenish color. Uh, at a policy rate around five percent, and then by we uh, by the time we get to late 2024. The market is expecting will have cut more than 150 basis points. So a very dramatic forward view that the Fed is going to hike rates a little bit more, will succeed in crushing inflation, and that the economy will be weak enough, whether by a soft landing or a mild, mild recession, uh, I guess a mild recession given that asset prices aren't exactly falling apart here, uh, that they'll be able to cut on the order of 150 basis points. I think there's a big forward guidance Issue here for the Fed, maybe wanting to discourage this view if they're concerned that financial conditions conditions have eased as much as they have. Uh, and B, there's if the incoming data suggests that the market is getting this very wrong, either that A, that the recession is actually front loaded, or B, that inflationary pressures are not going down uh, and that the, uh, the economy is actually beginning to accelerate again. Uh, it's just it's a very pointed view. And I think it'll be very interesting if this view is is challenged by the incoming data. Don't want to spend much time on FX. You can see on slide four, the latest movements. We've seen a lot of dollar volatility. It ended yesterday quite strong because of the risk off, because of the concerns around China. Those have been partially eased. Is that enough to inspire a more profound uh, risk rally here uh, across the globe and and, and seeing a dollar uh, weakness again? Not sure. 105 does look like a big area for euro dollar, 137.50 for dollar yen. And uh, important to note as well that the dollar Renmin B rate overnight uh, popping back below that key 720 area. So as we come in this morning, we sort of neutralized a lot of the fear uh, around this issue. Uh, but then we could suddenly be back to incoming data and, and new sources of, of concern for the market. So uh, I think it's it's going to be a very headline driven market. We also have end of month effects here over the next couple of days. Um, also, uh, you know, with, uh, of course, uh, a more positive sense of uh, what might happen here in China, we have crude oil prices uh, coming back from very important 
at a very important timing and technically on the charts as we were just hitting new lows here, uh, Ole. Yes, indeed, John. And uh, as we talked about uh, um, in Q- in quick take, and I believe also yesterday, um, we we basically have seen uh, crude oil prices drop fifteen dollars uh, during the past couple of weeks in res- uh, responding to the weakness in China. And a fifteen dollar drop is is more than uh, more than pricing in uh, that potential uh, downdrift and downshift in in Chinese demand. So uh, so at that, but at at one point yesterday, basically negative momentum took over. The technical selling was coming in. And then once again, um, OPEC plus production cuts start to be uh, be 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 talked about. They they meet next week, so obviously the timing is perfect. Various surveys uh, sent out yesterday, all pointing to the the risk that they will actually make another cut, uh, and that was enough to uh, to turn a mile around. And it just just highlights that that OPEC has 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 got the the upper hand right now in terms of controlling prices because we are already seeing some some weakness, and we know that the that OPEC is is uh, not really like they don't like to see prices drop below $80 and preferably like to have it in the 90s. So so they're trying this this management, uh, managing the price. So we'll see what happens next week. Um, if we stay at these low levels, uh, near the 80 level, it's very highly that uh, highlight, highly likely they will make another cut. And um, preempting this uh, speculation, uh, we've seen speculators have uh, been been uh, voting with their feet as well in the crude oil market. We saw the biggest two-week reduction mm-hmm. up until last Tuesday in bullish oil bets since September 2020. So, uh, so there has been quite a lot of selling coming into the oil market uh, from from speculators recently and that's part of the this negative momentum that we have we have seen at the price so uh, interesting to see what what happens uh, over the next week also with the european embargo on russian oil kicking in uh, uh, starting next week just uh, finishing off the, the commodity space and an area we don't talk about that often but i think it just uh, deserves a bit of attention here we've got wheat price in chicago hitting a three months low they've been struggling for for weeks and weeks uh, competing with supplies from from other other destinations, uh, other regions, and that's been primarily the Black Sea area. There's been a we had a bumper wheat crop in in Russia this summer. Ukraine obviously would have had a bumper as well if it wasn't for the war. But the Russian exports right now is is basically uh, making a, a U.S. wheat too expensive in the international market, so they're struggling to compete, and that basically means that the price somebody's got to give, and that's the price. So uh, we we're dropping to a three months low. And speculators, just like in the oil market, they have also been selling recently. They hold the biggest short now in wheat since May 2019. So clearly a market not looking for any any trouble, at least in the near term. All right, um, Peter, back over to you. We have uh, stocks to watch today. There was a very strong report, if I recall correctly, from Pinduoduo overnight. And uh, yeah, there's quite a number of names on your earnings uh, overview on slide nine as well. Yeah, so Pin uh, Pin Duadua, uh, shares were up twelve percent. They they reached the highest level since November uh, of last year. So um, very strong results, a blowout quarter for for the company. It's an uh, it's a it's a it's a low cost discount oriented e commerce platform. They sell everything from beauty project uh, products to grocery items, and um, they're really just enjoying a lot of tailwind from these uh, strict uh, COVID policies because of all the uh, because of all these. You know, uh, lockdowns in in various cities. Uh, citizens are are forced to you know buy their uh, necessities from uh, from e-commerce platforms, and that has really benefited this company. So strong results there. And then CD Project, uh, you know, a gaming developer. Um, I actually talked a lot about this company when I was in uh, in in Poland recently. Uh, it's one of the one of their crown jewels. They're really proud of this company. It has been a very successful gaming company, but always a bit 
too reliant on this cyberpunk uh, game series they have created. But they 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 doubled uh, or they delivered double of expectation on the net income side, um, and um, there have been quite a resurgence in interest of this game. They had a little bit of issues uh, with the latest release, but they, they, it has stayed to come back here. Um, there has been a release of an anime series, TV series on Netflix around this whole cyberpunk theme, and that really has. Um, brought some life back into this uh, into this game and the company is a great great first for cd project it's uh it's a polish stock trading here in uh, in europe and one of the larger gaming companies and then if we look ahead today crowdstrike um very important cybersecurity company in the u.s um the quarter the, the you know the third quarter ended in october uh analysts expect revenue to be up 51 percent margin expansion uh strong free cash flow generation um so definitely one, one to watch there. And then the big ones uh, tomorrow, Salesforce and Snowflake will be the uh, be, really be the key, the key action to to watch. Both will report after the market close. So that is, um, it will not deliver any action in the in primary session, but that could uh, maybe you know, uh, impact sentiment in NASDAQ 100 uh, in the Thursday's uh, trading. So, um, so stay tuned for that. All right, let's have a look at the macro calendar. And just uh, one interesting data point in this morning is Sweden, which very helpfully reports its retail sales on a volume basis. I forgot to note down which month that was for. I assume it would be for October. Uh, I believe it was down minus 7.7% year on year. Uh, clearly, cost of living going up is impacting the the ability to, you know, the mix of what you're buying and, and the number of goods, the volume of goods that you're able to buy with your pay, which is not going up at the same pace. Uh, either that or people are being a bit more cautious or, or all of the above. So that's an interesting data point. And I think we're going to see that type of uh, behavior increasingly uh, in other geographies as well. It's certainly been the case in the UK. So uh, today we have a couple of interesting data points. We have the German flash CPI up for November uh, today. And that's an interesting one. that has been around 10% to that one recently. Uh, November consumer confidence, interesting in the U.S. because we saw it uh, re rebounding quite strongly from the July low which I think was was probably uh, related to the tremendous surge in inflation and especially gasoline prices that sort of peaked out around that time frame. Uh, and then since then, confidence rebounded for a couple of months and quite strongly so before dipping a bit last month uh, for, or for the October reading. And the reading for this month will be interesting because I think any further dip from here would, might suggest there's a little bit of insecurity around the jobs market. And it is the labor market that this survey is most traditionally uh, correlated with. So uh, curious to see that reading expected at 100 versus the 102.50 in uh, in October. We also have the, the weekly crude and uh, fuel stock report from the API up tonight, an Australian CPI data point overnight. And importantly, again, given what I said about the forward curve and how the market is pricing things, as well as the very easy financial conditions and the sort of very hawkish attempts uh, at the press conference, uh, Fed Chair Powell made to, to, to give a hawkish impression I can't imagine he's a very happy, uh, a very happy camper here. So curious to see what uh, what he has to say at that speech tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about more about the context of that speech uh, as well, and then of course the rest of the week, uh, all the other data points we've been talking about all week, and 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 finishing off on Friday with the U.S. jobs report for November. All right, that is a wrap for today. We will be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at SaxoMarketCall or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.